Hey, everybody. Welcome to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, and this is the broadcast where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community. We're f- so fortunate to be able to talk to so many great people. And we record at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a great place for great conversations. We have the pleasure today of hearing from Keith Stevens, who is the Chief Executive Officer of PSI, Pro Team Solutions Incorporated, which is an IT consulting firm that offers services in areas like executive oversight, program and project management, mobility, business intelligence and analytics, staff augmentation, and more. Keith, did I say it all there? Because that is a lot. You said some. There are a couple other things we do, Michaela, and let me just bring you up to speed on those. So we've got three lines of business. One is uh, consulting, which encompasses uh, most of what you just mentioned. Uh, we have a staffing group that's killing it, absolutely killing it, uh, attracting and retaining talent. Uh, and then we have what we call workforce management line of business, where we are supporting a lot of nonprofits in their workforce uh Uh, efforts around subsidized internships. And what that means is they're getting dollars from the feds or the state, and they get to give people subsidized internships to businesses. Doesn't cost the business a dime, and they can try and buy these people. Those people are all on our payroll. So we act as the employer of record, and we do that for those nonprofits. We do it for the University of Cincinnati, and we're doing it for other organizations as well. So those three lines of business are where we play. So he already has our business peaked, like like our interest peaked 30 seconds in. So Keith, we are so glad to have you with us (laughs) today. Thank you for being here. here. So you started this whole thing. Yes. The, these three components we were just talking about that have all these tentacles um, as a one-man team back in 92. Now this company, multi-million dollar IT consulting firm, uh, goes without saying that this has been a successful journey for you as an entrepreneur and business owner. But here's what we like to do. We like you to walk us back a little bit and, and tell us a little bit more about how PSI came to be what it is today. So go back to 1991, I was working for the Gordon Flesh Company. I was a copier technician, uh, and I wasn't really a great tech, but I had great people skills. My area of uh, responsibility was downtown where they got the most complaints, and I was put in as a guy to handle the complaints, right? Uh, a friend of mine then talked, me, talked to me about a temporary staffing business, something I'd never contemplated. I was a sales guy. I wasn't trying to really be in business, and I would argue that had I had a business background, I probably would never have taken the leap, just to be quite frank, because it was, uh, there were some unknowns that had I known, I I don't know that I would have taken a leap. But at any rate, uh, uh, I wanted to start one of these companies. I had very little money, so I started playing the lottery, and I made notes to myself every month about, you know, how is, you know, envisioning what I was going to do, and I thought I needed $10,000, $20,000 to get started. I couldn't find funding, didn't want to ask family and friends, so again, uh, not the best method, and it didn't work, but I played the lottery. You, when you say you played the lottery, this is literally playing the lottery. Playing the lottery, attempting to win. It was pick four, by the way. Pick, pick four. Pick three wasn't going to do it. Pick four was 5,000 plus. That so was going to be the big winner that, that needed to get you to that point. That was going to be my ticket, right? And and at some point, Michaela, I had this epiphany. I rode by, uh, I saw a phone booth, and next to it was a bus bench. And it hit me that that could be my office. All I needed was a phone and a place to sit and conduct business. 
truly. And when I scaled down my, my, my needs or my, my assumed needs, what ended up happening is I took $500. I rented a space in the heart of it all, Main and Champion, and it was not necessarily the greatest neighborhood at that point on Main Street for sure. Yes. $300 a month, didn't have to give him a down payment. There were rodents in the basement. Uh, I went and bought used carpet squares, some paint, a paint gun so I could spray the ceiling and the walls. This is a startup story, folks. Children's Palace was going out of business on West Broad. I went out and bought counters for $2 each and bought them back into the office. I then got a phone installed and I sat in the window with a briefcase and a, and a, and a legal pad and I called people I thought would invest. And finally, I found someone that was willing to buy 30% of nothing for 10 grand. And that was the start. And by the way, the $10,000 was issued to me based on the payroll I generated from doing staffing. So he didn't hand me 10 grand, but what he gave me was a safety net that said, if I go find business and I put people at that client and I create an invoice, I can make payroll until I get paid by the client. So that was kind of the start. So the handler who had $2 countertops, that's how that all started for you. $2 counters, <laughs> used carpet squares, used rodents. chairs, rodents in the basement, uh, and it was, and I missed those days. You missed those days. I missed those we days. We always hear that, right, <laughs> from the folks who started and how they started, even though it, it is where that was. Um, for you, what I was going to ask is, you know, you, you said to me something a few minutes ago. You said, had I had a business background, I don't think I would have taken the risk. So my question for you is, what made you want to take the leap from being that handler that was getting it done? What actually made you want to do it, to I jump? Th I think there was the part about the social part of it, right? The opportunity to provide employment to people who otherwise might not think they're capable in, in a marketplace that might not have thought they were capable of doing it and, and really addressing that stigma. Uh, and I would argue in looking back, it should have been set up as a nonprofit because we weren't making a lot of money, but we were impacting that community pretty significantly. We were giving job opportunities to people who uh, couldn't keep walking by our office and not walk in. And when they came in, we created this environment of uh, community, gave away free coffee, donuts. So we had people in our office and they went out and did very successful work for us. You weren't looking to do necessarily that. You were looking for good people to put in these jobs. And this is just kind of the outcome of that in that community. This, this is what was required in order to be successful. And it actually became a labor of love for us. So, and we're going to talk a little bit more about a really neat program you guys have to this day about giving back. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I want to dive in a little more into this uh, startup story, truly, <laughs> that what it is. So you were previously named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. That's a big deal. And PSI has been named one of the top IT consulting firms in Central Ohio by Columbus Business Business First. So having really reached that level of success and recognition as a business owner, I, I want to speak some to our listeners because they are people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, people who are building their business. What do you think are your two biggest pieces of advice for these folks who are going through the grind right now? Well, I think the first one that applied to us was uh, you can have a path that you think is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, you know where you're going, but based on client and customer uh, input and opportunity, 
be open to change. And that's what we've done. We've reinvented ourselves probably two or three times over. Most recently, 2008, the recession. I tell people, don't waste a perfectly good recession. And for us, it was an opportunity to blow our business model up once again and really pivot into and, and, and get down and dirty in technology. So you heard that here. Don't waste a perfectly good recession because unfortunately, we know we'll see it again. So it's a matter of wrapping our minds around it, it sounds like. Well, I think it's that. And I think oftentimes when we see adversity, some people get frozen in their tracks. Don't get frozen. It's always an opportunity, right? Always. And and as you said, so you're saying you're reinventing yourself. You've grown to this, you know, large firm. I want to talk a little bit about trends you're seeing currently. You know, so, you know, now 2018, what are some of the things that you're seeing that you guys are really trying to capitalize on right now? So I think the biggest thing, one of the big things is there are companies that are still uh, steeped in monolithic systems. They haven't really transitioned in some of this latest, greatest technology. Uh, so they're trying to digitize their, their uh, environments. For instance, we see some manufacturing firms, uh, some industrial services firms that are still on a paper. Uh, they're still using Excel spreadsheets. They've not leveraged some of the technology out there. In some cases, they either don't know or uh, it's really difficult for business owners oftentimes to work on the business. They're stuck in day-to-day and they can't get can't, can't get, get out of that mindset. So for us, it's finding those opportunities to add value to those organizations. So those that's one trend. Uh, one of the others is the gig economy and, and the impact of that. There's a 3.9 unemployment rate for technology uh, folks, and I, I would argue it's probably more like 2%. Uh, what we're seeing is remote work, virtual work, where uh, it's no longer uh, necessary to come in an office uh, to play a significant role. And so we're adjusting to that. Uh, 2019, we're looking at going 50% remote with all of our staff and potentially 100% at some point. We think that's the future. And, and how do you, you know, in such a great thought, and a lot of businesses want to be able to consider it, how are you at this point, seriously able to do it. What are what are the kind of the boundaries, the parameters you have to put around knowing that it's going to be effective for you? Well, so what's happening already in our office, I'll come out some days and I won't see many people sitting there and I'll have questions. I've got line of business leaders, so they kind of direct what their, their teams do and don't do. Uh, but all I have to do is look at the results. So if I'm looking at results and results are happening, do I really care where they're happening from? Do I care that... that uh, uh, the recruiters are not in the office Friday afternoon after one o'clock. I really don't. And, and that was a transition for me. Uh, my first experience, I, I hired a millennial. I came in the office and she had her feet up on the desk and I wanted to just, but I walked to my <laughs> office, I shut the door and I thought about it and I said, let me see what she's doing. When I went back out and looked over her shoulder, she was working. And so the question- Comfortably. She was comfortably, comfortably working. And so that was, that was a light bulb moment for me that- that some of the old norms don't necessarily fit now. And uh, so those are one of the, tr- that's a trend we see too, is the gig economy is having this impact. And you're, and you're moving with it. Not everybody is. And you, you wish you would see more people, it sounds like, start to embrace that well, in, in your ho- industry. Not necessarily because <laughs> that, that gives us kind of an advantage, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, we hope they stay asleep. Shh, nobody listen to C-Buzz, okay? <laughs> For sure. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that here. Um, you have seen technology really grow exponentially over the years. And 
And as as we look at the changes, I mean, it's significant. When I think about you talking about 2008 to where we are now in 2018, and in my head as a consumer, it's just, it seems massive. Um, but you've really seen it up close and personally. So, so what has that looked like? And really kind of maybe what's been surprising to you to this point, and, and where do you think technology is going to take the world of business next? I think probably the biggest surprise for us, mostly those who've been with the company for some time, is the fact that we had the audacity to think that we could play in this space. And at the end of the day, what's happened is the ability to attract smarter people than us, right? Uh, and creating a scenario where we empower them to make decisions. Uh, we put, put up guardrails for sure. Uh, but I think the speed of which technology is moving is just really mind-blowing. And I don't think, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg. I think what we're going to see over the next 10 or 15 years is, in the next five years, is going to blow our minds. Artificial intelligence, augmented reality, machine learning, it, it's going to face recognition. Uh, we have blockchain meetups in our office once a month, and blockchain is the gr- latest, greatest technology. Right. So I'm in these meetings with these brilliant developers who are at the cusp of this cutting-edge technology, and, it, and it's pretty mind-blowing to see it up close and personal. How do we as consumers keep up with it, or we as business owners who know nothing about it? So I don't know that consumers have to keep up with the kind of the building or the making of those tools. It's just the impact that they're going to have. And and they're all focused on user experience, right? It's all about making it more convenient for the consumer and making it more cost effective for the consumer. The same with business. Uh, what I've found is there's always an opportunity to become more efficient, and so we can't get stuck in, in, into any particular technology for a long period of time. I'll, I'll give an example. ERP systems, huge uh, systems that companies uh, have used forever to connect their business processes. SAP is one. PeopleSoft is one. Well, they're being disrupted in, for the past few years by an organization called Workday. It's cloud-based. They're moving a lot quicker. It's cheaper. It's more efficient. It's more user-friendly. And I I would argue that the competitor or the disruptor to work day is somewhere in somebody's basement now being right now. Yeah. So uh, the iterations of of new software is happening pretty quickly. You're involved in something out west, which we were talking a little bit about before we got on the microphone. Um, What are you doing with that? Is that something that's evolving? And, And how does that look in this world? So one of the things we recognized here in the Midwest, while we're doing a great job, Columbus and the Chamber's kind of leading this effort along with Rev1, we're creating a great environment for startups, right? You've heard about uh, the cross checks and cover my meds and now root insurance. So we're creating this environment. I, I would give Mark Kwame a lot of credit for that along with Rev1. Uh, but oftentimes innovation doesn't get here. I think there was a five-year time frame at one point. That's probably shortened from innovation from the West Coast getting here. In some cases, innovation starting here. Uh, but we found an opportunity to uh, take over 49% ownership of a San Francisco-based tech firm that gives us access to some of the latest, greatest technologies. Uh, it's our innovation hub, we call it. And we're able to now start to talk to our clients here in, uh, in the Midwest about remote development. We've got a development team out there that's stellar, and these guys have worked together forever. Uh, they throw no-look passes, and so uh, we want to bring that to the uh, our client base here in, in the city. And I think for us being a relatively small tech firm, 
uh, being forward thinking and having that connection is going to really differentiate. It already has. Just just the messaging is differentiating. Oh, us. I can only imagine. And, and what again you're we're, you're learning and bringing back to Central Ohio from having that that right there. And it sounds like you're taking some folks out there from time to time too. Without a doubt. So our uh, my my 30 year old CEO and partner in Akeva. Uh, is actually going to lead the Buckeyes to the Bay uh, effort in October. Uh, the College of Engineering at OSU annually takes out 15, 20 engineering students to Silicon Valley. And they go on a tour and they get a chance to go to Google and Facebook, et cetera. And then oftentimes, if they're lucky, they get to go in and, and be in startup environments, right? Well, my partner is, he lives and breathes it, and he's going to uh, help lead that this year. Uh, so that's, that's an incredible opportunity. And, and I think they'll see a 30-year-old kid who's balling out, and it'll be a good example for them. <laughs> yeah, it will be. This is what we can do with the ever-changing world of technology. And this guy, sure. this 30-year-old, it's a perfect example. Man, oh, man, living the life. So your team works in areas like manufacturing, healthcare, insurance, retail, government. How do you effectively serve these clients in various industries? I think sometimes that's trouble for like businesses have trouble getting a hold of that sometimes in their line, you know. So how do you really ensure you're providing each customer with a personalized experience that caters to their need in that industry? Well, I think for us from the beginning, from the onsite for our consulting practice was to be agnostic to any particular Technology, Microsoft or or Oracle or any particular uh, technology, and stay agnostic and really focus on enabling strategy uh, from our clients with with the technology that that made sense. And so we still do that. And and whether it's healthcare, whether it's manufacturing, they need infrastructure, they need applications, they need mobile. Uh, the the technology doesn't really change. Oftentimes uh, there are platforms. For instance, I mentioned Workday. Now while we're not a workday reseller. We're supporting uh, OSU is going through a transformation. We've got workday uh, consultants up there supporting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio um, OSU Medical, uh, the EMR platform, electronic medical records platform they use is Epic. Epic is probably sixty percent of the market, and we support we support Epic. I hear about Epic from everyone right now. But we're not EPIC certified. But you're not EPIC certified. But we can support the EPIC implementation. Because you're agnostic, you can choose what might be best for the client, given that too, yes? Yeah, and oftentimes we're bought in as as an objective third party to manage those vendors on behalf of the client too. So that's a a place where we play well. It doesn't require that I have 100 high-end consultants. I can go in there with, with, with a SEAL team of five. And really make things happen. I like that SEAL team of five. Uh, tell me about um, how you stay fresh. Like I really, because it sounds like this this kind of this partnership out in LA is right now is important to you. Over the years, have you how have you stayed fresh within the industry? So I think it, it being being curious for one. Uh, when we started having status meetings in our consulting group, I'd show up and my chief technology officer would be leading it. And I found myself staring at him with my mouth open, uh, learning like everyone else at the table. And I caught myself. So I started opening my laptop, not paying attention to him, acting like I heard it all the time. And I would Google terms <laughs> while we're in the meeting to learn. So that was yes. kind of how it started. Uh, I'm not a technologist, but I know enough to be dangerous now. And most importantly, I think, is, is the willingness to bring in people smarter than me, smarter than I am. So figuring out how to interface with those brilliant minds. And, and oftentimes, no disrespect to them, but my social, the same sales 
ability that I have with a client works with them as well. Keith walks in and he has a room. We experienced it today. So yes, <laughs> no, you know how to talk to people and to ask about people and to meet them where they are. I can definitely tell that from spending a few minutes with you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, corporate social responsibility. Because I love when you were on Main and Champion, what you did there and what you kind of knew what you're doing, but kind of were doing something else with it too. It stuck with you. but and it, and it really is something that every business needs to keep in the forefront. But as you know, and from people you've talked to, it can be really difficult for small businesses specifically to decide how giving back is really incorporated into their business operations. So you have this PSI Gives program, and I I want you to tell us a little bit about that because that is a commitment to community responsibility. The community responsibility has stuck with us from the very beginning. Uh, uh, How we've managed to navigate that has been our challenge. So what we started out uh, doing as a company, 9-11 came along and that changed it. And so we fo- we refocused on higher end uh, professional staffing positions, HR, creative, et cetera. <clears throat> but we still gave time, treasure, and talent to several boards, right? We encourage it for our staff. We represent boards, the Chamber, Alvis, Dress for Success, uh, COSI. I mean, the list goes on, Prescalis. So we encourage, uh, we talked about Monica. Uh, Monica serves on boards as well. It's, it's something that we we encourage uh, our, our team to do. And Monica's one of your account. What's her official title? So she's uh, director, out there. <laughs> director of strategic accounts. I'll give her a shout out. There you go. So you encourage board involvement. Without a doubt. Individuals. Board involvement, we give where we can treasure. And then if we can give other support, in-kind support, we do that as well. Uh, I think what we found, too, is for our, our employee base, average age is, you know, if you pull me out of the, the mix, <laughs> it's probably around 27, 28. And, younger. and they're cause-focused, Michaela. They, they really want to be part of a cause. They want to be with a cause-focused organization, and they want to be free to, uh, to invest their time and energy. So uh, we, uh, it's part of what we do. It's part of who we are. To the entrepreneur who's just starting out, nothing but a dream right now. They have this idea. They have this concept. Maybe it's floating around. Maybe they put pen to paper. What advice, Keith, do you give to them? Well, I'm not sure how they're built. I'm, I'm, I've got a high tolerance for risk. People used to say, I bet the farm every year, right? Uh, but I think it's, it's doing something, being, having some passion for it, right? Fail often and quickly. And for us, it, was, it wasn't something we intentionally did, but failure didn't stop us. It made us smarter, right? It made us more resilient. The adversity was great. Uh, I think someone on the sideline, don't let the size of what you think. Uh, I talked about the bus bench and the telephone booth was, was kind of the first office I thought was possible. When initially I thought I needed this 5,000 square foot beautiful space, a bus bench and a phone would have done it. Uh, so I don't, don't, don't shoot your sights too high. Just, just, just do it. I think, uh, you know, jump, jump, take the net out of the way. When you have the passion, the drive to make it happen. And then the things I find that really important that you said that the things born out of necessity, like the vans you were talking about, 
You just deal with it as it comes along. I think you deal with it. And, and I got to tell you, you know, and initially I didn't know I was going to make payroll. I've made payroll now, haven't missed a payroll in 26 years. That is my claim to fame. Congratulations. Of all the other things, <laughs> it's making payroll. And yes. Entrepreneurs can, can relate to that, we right? We can, yes. Uh, when I first started, I had business, I had, uh, I had employees, and I had a store across the street that would allow my people to cash checks over there. And he'd hold those checks until Monday, till I gave him the thumbs up from across the across street. Across the street. So you you have to figure it out, right? And there are ways to figure it out. The, the main thing is don't get stuck. Don't get paralyzed in fear or anxiety. You got to push through it. So did you ever get stuck? And how did you get out of it? Because I think that's what I want to, like, you just seem like the guy who walks in, goes, gets it, has the passion, the drive. Is there a stuck moment? There was a stuck moment when I would tell my staff I was out selling and I was at home in a fetal position. Yeah, not ready to go out and take uh, take the take incoming from asking for business. And I had a friend of mine who at the time was a VP at Wendy's who said, well, if you don't want to have this business, why don't you get a job driving a cab or something? And that, she upset me. I was going to say another word, but it, yeah. <laughs> we do like to keep this pretty clean, so thanks. But it upset me, but it was what I needed to get going, right? And so her saying that to you, what happened next after she said that I got to up you? out of that bed and I went and sold. And the rest is history. Yeah, it's just, you're, one of the things I know I have to do, uh, especially selling, you've got to get over that fear of rejection. And I'm, I'm probably an introvert by nature. But really? lights, camera, action, I can turn it on, and I can't wait to go turn it off and lay down. Because you like that quiet. You yeah, like I, that moment. I, I need that quiet. But I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, just having some fortitude and, and not saying no. And, and I, I also tell people that, that one of the success factors for me is running from this gorilla called failure that's chasing me constantly. I'm always looking back for him. So I've, I've not gotten to a place where I'm comfortable yet. One of the things we're looking at now is succession planning. Do we do an ESOP? Uh, do we take, let our leadership take over and I go to you know, the Dominican Republic and just check my, uh, my account once a month? Not Sounds sure. Nice. But it's, it's, we're having those conversations now. Little Tim Ferriss four-hour workweek action there in the yeah. Dominican Republic, something like that. That'd be nice. Well, we have fully enjoyed this conversation with you um, and that you had the audacity to play in this space. I think we all learned something from it today. Well, hopefully so. And I would just say, you know, fear for me is my friend. Fear, fear, fear gets me up and keeps me rolling. It doesn't paralyze me. And if you can get there, you can do anything. Keith Stevens, CEO, Chief Executive Officer with PSI here on CBuzz. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Mikhail. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Share your ratings and reviews. All you have to do is search CBuzz on iTunes or the place you listen to podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Give us your feedback. We read it. It also helps us plan for future episodes with concepts and ideas we might have. And it helps people find our show. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life and bringing it to you, our listeners. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm Michaela Hunt, and we look forward to the next chat that we have with you.